right, welcome in today on another episode of the Outside of the Lines podcast. I am your co-host, Mason Magruder, followed today with Jacob Newton. Super producer Liam has a really tight schedule, so can't quite fit him in, but we'll get him in as soon as we possibly can. We got a really special interview for you guys today. Got Tim Flattery from the Moonlight Graham, the show that celebrates the underdogs, the role player, and the great story in sports. So if you guys don't know much about the Moonlight Graham podcast, it's primarily a baseball podcast um, inspired by the field of dreams, but he's got great interviews with a lot of big name Iowa people. So Kurt Warner, Dallas Clark, just to name a couple, I could go for a long time, but really high energy guys, super fun to talk, talk to him about, you know, some Iowa state based athletics because he is primarily an Iowa state fan. So be sure to check that out. But first and foremost, as always, we are brought to you by BNC Fieldhouse. We love BNC Fieldhouse. They got the best drink deals on Welch Avenue and it's the best place to watch the big game. So please head on over to BNC, grab a bite to eat, watch the big game, and of course support our, our boy Ben, the living legend of Ames, Iowa. And without further ado, here's some UNLV breakdown. So Newt, recapping a pretty nice weekend, 48 to 3. How do you feel about that? You know, I don't like to toot my own horn, but I feel like we kind of called it a little bit. We, we expected Iowa State to show up. I said that they were going to cover the 30-point spread, which they did. And so it was kind of exactly what you want as a result, uh, a good bounce-back game. Obviously, you're facing a team that is probably a little bit inferior and, and um, not as much of a challenge as the first couple of weeks, but you need that um, as a football team, and it's kind of a good get-right game before we, we head into some, some Big 12 play and some some pretty important conference games. So, mm-hmm. you know, happy with the overall results. Um, glad that, you know, offense, defense showed up, everything like that. You got um, just kind of Purdy a got really a swagger good, back. Huh? Purdy got a swagger back. Yeah, yeah. Get, getting a little confidence in, in, in uh, on both sides of the ball. I mean, obviously the defense should already have it, but, um, you know, just – it's, it's nice to not be alarmed or um, a little worried, I guess, going into Baylor if it, we kind of maybe did have a little bit of a, a stinker or slower, closer game. So that's kind of my overall thoughts on it. I, I don't think there's a lot you can take away from beating a, a team that you should easily handle with it. So they did what they needed to do, and that's, that's kind of what you want um, with this. What about you? Yeah, it's super hard to measure against a team as bad as UNLV, but the one thing that you can measure from it is a close game and that wasn't what it was. So you you saw exactly what you wanted to see in a 48 to three blowout and it wasn't close at all. I mean, I was honestly a little surprised that we only scored one touchdown in the first quarter. Other than that, everything just felt like it was going as planned. And like I said, hard to measure a game against a really bad team like UNLV, but Iowa State is kind of notorious for making games that shouldn't be close where they're clearly better than their competition a close game, they, they sometimes play the level of their competition. So seeing that they kind of just imposed their will on them was really great. And, uh, I mean, yeah, the biggest thing for me was honestly just seeing Brock Purdy have a, have a nice game. It's, it's always a hit to the mentals when you get benched, whether you should have gotten benched or shouldn't have gotten benched. That's beside the point. Either way, it's, it's, it's a hit to the ego. And when you're playing QB, you got to, you got to play confident. And, 23 or 21 for 24, 288 yards, three touchdowns, zero INTs. 
as a box score you want to see. That's, and that's what it should be against a bad team in UNLV. So hopefully this is just, you know, that get right game that, that they desperately needed, kind of that confidence booster as well. Um, and Newt, we're going to play, guess who had 69 yards? Guess. Brees Hall. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good guess. Now, Brees Hall actually got 100 yards, so uh, he's straight by. But 69 yards goes to Charlie Kolar. So, Charlie. Nice. He gets the nice performance yards. of the week. The nice performance of the week. in Ta- the Taking week. away the title from Brees, who's a two-time defending champion of that. Yeah. I'm just glad that we have an award winner for each each game so far. I don't. I'm My guess for next game is Joe Skates. I think he's going to have the 69-yard next game against Baylor. Nice. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> well, honestly, not to say I, I called it because everyone called it, but yeah, that, it wasn't really much of a game from start to finish and kind of breaking down the game is exactly like we were previewing it. I don't really know what else there is to say. <laughs> it's exactly what we expect. and it's, it's exactly how it should have gone. They did what we wanted them to do, what we expected them to do. And there's not much else you can say from it. Like I said, you can't take a ton away from from playing a team that is, you know, you should, you know, easily handle. So at least they did that. They showed up. It looked like Cyclone fans had a great ass trip out to Las Vegas, too, which is another thing that is not surprising at all. Um, You know, getting up there and I saw that they were close or had one of the highest attended UNLV games of all time. So shout out to a team that lives many miles away um, whose fan base is just so good at traveling and it's, it's beautiful to, to see that. So that's kind of, that's kind of all I have on it. Um, You know, I I am, I'm happy with the result. That's, that's kind of all I can say. It makes me feel a little bit better heading into it. Um, You know, they've had three games now to plenty of in-game reps to get ready for, for big 12 play. And so that's, that's kind of where it leaves it. Yeah, it, just to piggyback on what you said, tonight's crowd of 35,193 is the seventh largest in history to attend a UNLV football game in Las Vegas, tweeted through the UNLV football team. So clearly it was them who showed up, not at all. If you saw the Sea of Cyclones walking in, it was, it was pretty awesome, you see. But yeah, just, God, man, we, we just travel so well. And and that was, you know, we were talking about a little bit in the in the – the interview with Tim, but one thing we mentioned was UCF's addition to Big 12 and how he doesn't think anyone's going to come to the games. Uh, that's one thing that I, I really don't think you can count out. Um, his argument was, was because of Harvest not trying to take his thunder and, and trying to jump the gun here, but it is just something that Cyclones do. You know, they love to travel. They love to go to these cities that are fun and UCF and Orlando. That's why I, I don't think we'll have many issues you know, getting people to these games just because we've shown time and time again that if you put a put an Iowa State football game around a fun environment, aka the entertainment capital of the world in Las Vegas, people will come. And even if it's going to be a blowout win, even if it's not even going to be a good game, it will still bring in Cyclones. And it's just it's so cool to see. It's such a fun fan base to be a part of and have that constant brag because we've always done this. We haven't always been good, but we've always done this. And it's it's just so so awesome to be part of such an awesome fan base. Yeah, it, it really is. It's I don't have much else to say. It's uh it's very impressive when 
you just consider all like the historical factors and, and everything that surrounds Iowa State football to have a a uh, general football fan base that is as as passionate as and as diehard as uh, Iowa State is. So um, love it. Absolutely. And and you know we can never give too many shout outs to Cyclone Nation. So absolutely. Well, unless you have anything more. Without further ado, we'll present to you guys, Tim Flattery. Hope you guys really enjoy it. Roll clones. Hey, everyone. It's producer Liam here. I know it's been a while. Been too long. I have been pretty busy with work. For those of you who don't know, I'm working night shift, so my recording time normally doesn't line up with Mason or Newt. But I wanted to come in here and let you know, give you a fair warning that Mason's audio sounds about as good as the UNLV football program in this interview. But regardless, it is a great interview with Tim Flattery. Starts off with roasting Mason right off the bat. So that's something we all love to hear. Uh, Stick with us. We'll have it fixed by next week, we promise, or at least Mason promises. Uh, But without further ado, hope to get back to you guys next week. Here is Tim Flattery. Okay. Thanks for having me on, guys. This is, uh, I'm excited to, to do an Iowa State pod. Yeah, I, I figured you might be bleeding because I just listened to your Dallas Clark interview and you were, uh, <laughs> you gave him the business. You're like, I hate Iowa. I, I, I like, you know, people from Iowa, but I hate them. And that was exactly how I am about it. That's how we are. Yeah, I don't feel like you have to, like, play nice guy. You don't have to, like, you know, be, be an ass about it. But no. you don't always have to be nice, like, oh, you know, we want them to do so well when they're not playing us. It's like, no, it's kind of fun to have a rivalry too. Like, you it know, is. that's part of sports is the winning and losing, cheering against your rivals, cheering for your team. That's kind of the point. Yeah. Well, honestly, let's just go right into the interview right now. Um, sure. Because I, I want to keep that in here. So Liam, keep that sound bite in. But just to our listeners, today we got a very special guest, Tim Flattery otherwise known as the Moonlight Graham Show host, uh, which is a podcast inspired by the field of dreams to capture some of the best stories from the role player, the underdog, and the great stories in sports. So he's got a lot of great listener or a lot of great guests on there, including Dallas Clark, Sage Rosenfeld, even J.J. Reddick, who you would be surprised that he does have an Iowa connotation. But um, aside from that, he's an ex-minor league player, played JUCO baseball with Iowa Central Community College, and then uh, went on to play for you and I a little bit too. But I, my favorite thing is just a local celebrity in Fort Dodge, Iowa. So that's right, that's right. Absolutely, Thanks, Mason. My I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate the intro, man. Uh, especially when, like, you know, I'm 35 years old right now, and my JUCO baseball career gets brought up. Like, I'm I'm here for that. <laughs> there, there's no reason not to include it, man. I mean, that's your stick. But I, on top of baseball, that. Leads into my first question. I don't watch baseball. I honestly don't really know much about baseball. Someone asked me the other day um, what some term was, and I didn't know it. And apparently, it was a really common one. It was so common, and I didn't know it that I can't even bring it up right now. So that is, you know, the extent of my baseball knowledge. I don't know anything about it. I don't really watch it. The last time I watched it was probably when the Cubs were in the World Series, just because I'm a self-proclaimed Cubs fan. Even though it's hard to say that because I'm not a baseball guy. So. Roast me for that. Tell me why I'm terrible for not loving baseball. And, and if there is anything that you have for Rob Manfred to maybe reinvent the game and bring some other 
guys like me into, you know, reintroducing the sport of baseball to them. You know, what do you got for the, for the sport of baseball and, and why do I suck for not watching it? I feel like the Rob Manfred thing is just way over your head. Like, why am I going to sit here and talk about how Rob Manfred needs to change the game of baseball if you didn't even like it anyway? You know, any change that Rob Manfred's going to make isn't going to affect you, Mason. I think the biggest thing, the two biggest things of, that are on you for not being a baseball fan. First of all, you went to Dowling Catholic High School. It's a baseball high school, right? It's a baseball and football school. Nobody cares about any other sports at that school other than baseball and football. So that's, that's on you. Like how many Dowling Catholic minor league and major league baseball players have been there through the years, right? Like Matt McCree, probably the greatest quarterback in, in Dowling history, major league baseball player, right? So that was during your childhood. Where were you, right? Where were you during that era? Second of all, you live in Omaha. This is the home of the college world series. I don't care <laughs> if you don't, if you don't watch the major leagues and you're just a fair weather Cub fan, there are a lot of those out there. But if you're not tailgating for the CWS and if you can't get into baseball by those two weeks in Omaha every year, like I, I got nothing for you, man. I can't, <laughs> I can't solve that for you. That's on you. You got to look in the mirror. You got to re reevaluate your sports fandom at that point and just be like, Hey, I need to be a more well-rounded sports fan. If, if I'm going to do this thing, like you got a sports podcast, man, like, you know, step your game up a little bit. Maybe it's because Iowa State doesn't have um, a baseball team, which I'll let Newt cover with you. But you're right. I, I do like going to the games. I am in Omaha, and I've been to every single college World Series. And it's a lot of fun to go to. But, but, but let me rephrase it. When I'm at the games, I'm there to enjoy the environment. And I know enough about baseball to know what's going on. But it's kind of like golf for me. I love playing golf. And I, I like watching people play golf even but not on the TV. So is there something different about the atmosphere of a baseball game versus watching it? Because I can get a hot dog at the baseball game, and that's why I go. But I can't get a hot dog when I'm just sitting at home watching baseball. So you bring up a good point. And this is why baseball will always be America's pastime, because it's the best sport. It has the biggest gap between watching on TV and being there in person. Every American wants to sit in the bleachers at Rosenblatt or Wrigley Field or at Fenway Park on a muggy summer night, drinking a beer, having a hot dog, where you just cannot replicate that experience at home. Like no matter, you know, live gambling, um, you know, the different announcers, they're never going to be able to get that environment on TV like you can have in the ballpark. Whereas I'd rather watch an NFL football game on TV than go to it. No offense, Jake. I know you're a big, big Steelers guy here, but it's just, it's not the same. Like same thing with the NBA. What we found with the NBA when it was in the bubble, it's like, hey, NBA is fine in the bubble. Like it was actually kind of fun to watch on TV. Hockey, you know, hockey's great in person, but it's also great on TV, right? And so, but baseball is just a little slower pace. You got to be in the ballpark. Hey, you can be out in the crowd, like having beer chugging contests with your buddies, miss four innings of the game and still come back for the seventh inning just fine, right? And that's why that, that in-person experience of baseball will never go away from America. And why like, I kind of get a little frustrated by like the NBA Twitter in the offseason, NFL Twitter in the offseason. It's like, guys, hey, there's a better way to spend your offseason. It's at the ballpark at a baseball game rather than just being at home on Twitter, like with a bunch of pointless stuff happening. That's fair enough. That's a good answer. Yeah, I, I might tune in next time. <laughs> yeah. What's the playoffs? What's the playoffs, Mason? I, I, I dabble with the playoffs. I, I need to be better about it, but 
you know, maybe, maybe two years from now, because I'm going to give myself a realistic time for two years. I'll come to you and say, hey, I'm an actual Cubs fan. I'm not a Fairweather fan because right now I'm very Fairweather. So I will say this, like with where we're at with football right now, I feel like football is getting a big pass in the NFL. Like they've created all of these rules in the NFL that have just made the game almost unwatchable at times. With the amount of challenges, the amount of replays, now they're penalizing you for taunting. Like the dumbest taunting penalties are causing game stoppages and 15-yard penalties. Like that's insane. Whereas like people act like baseball is this old time. It's like, oh, you can't do anything in baseball. It's like, have you watched baseball lately? It's full of young stars. There are guys taunting people, bat flipping, doing all like wearing all sorts of swag, home run chains, all this stuff where that's just fine at baseball. You're not getting penalties for doing that in baseball. Baseball is actually a way better game for personalities to come out than football right now. Football is a mess. Football is a little bit of a mess. Uh, baseball does have some like great young players in it right now. Um, I, I'm actually in a weird spot here because I didn't. I was in Mason's boat here. I did not pay attention to any baseball. I, I probably could count the number of baseball games uh, on on my hands that I've watched like the last ten years. And then I watched the playoffs last year because it was like pandemic, live sports were on. I was like, all right, something to watch. And my I had a roommate that was big into it. And he plays fantasy baseball too. And I, he invited me into his league this year for fantasy baseball. And I have watched more baseball this year than like any sport by far. And it's, it's ridiculous how like just the, the complete 180 switch has, you know, introduced me to caring about some sport that I, I did not care about since like the eighth grade. Well, um, you're, in, you're in a great sports city. Like Pittsburgh is awesome. Their team might suck, but like, uh, Three River Stadium, or it's not called Three Rivers. It's PNC called, uh, Park. PNC Park's unbelievable. Like, what it a is. beautiful place. And you got games on every night. That's the beauty of baseball. There's 15 games on every night for six months. I mean, how, how beautiful is that? It's great. Like, it's, it's the ultimate, like, even just background noise with stuff. It's like, hey, yeah. let's put on baseball and we can still hang out and whatever as a friend group or, or, you know, like you, it's the beauty and the beast of baseball where it's like, you don't have to be like, it's not like football where you have to see every live second and be like tuned in in case something happens with it. It, it, it is a little bit more backgroundy, but, but yeah, it's great. I, that's why I love the fancy baseball ex- aspect because every night you have guys going. And I think that's way really cool. Like right now I'm like fancy football is so slow. Cause my guys yeah. only play one day a week. Like this is annoying. And, but we do this thing every year uh, on my podcast, but I didn't invent this, but I, I do it every year. And then we talk about it on my podcast called the nine, nine, nine challenge. And every summer we got one, one game, you know, bring a bunch of people. Everybody's got to drink nine beers and eat nine hot dogs in a nine inning baseball game and talked about like, that's what would get me into it. Yeah. You're hardly paying attention to the game, but it's just a great time. It's all surrounded around baseball. And that's kind of the beauty of baseball is you don't have to live and die by the turnover. There's no halftime, right? It's just, it's just constantly going on in the background and that's just fine too. You know, it, it's part of the, part of the American experience. In the weirdest way, that's one thing I've tried to sell my fiance on for football. So she's like, why do you sit there for four hours and watch the game? I'm like, well, it doesn't feel like you're there for four hours. In between plays, you can kind of analyze what the last play was or, or maybe, you know, expect it's coming, you know, what's forthcoming. Um, and then at the very worst, during commercial breaks, just check your phone. And in a way, it's, it's, it's a low-stressor sport to watch while still having so much anxiety while watching it. And so, you know, maybe, maybe that could be the sales pitch for baseball. You know, it, it's, it's kind of a low-maintenance game to watch. 
you know, kind of watch and go as you please. And hey, if you don't like who's playing or if you don't like how the style of play is going, at least you're there having a hot dog. But that, that's my biggest beef. I got to watch it on the TV. I got to find ways to, I guess, you know, get myself back into it. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, and it is one of my, my nitpicks about baseball, too, in that I feel like you guys are the Cyclone podcast, but, but I feel like we've got the market cornered on Cyclone baseball because they haven't had a team in 20 years. So the home for all those former Iowa State baseball players to come and talk about Iowa State baseball and bitch about how Iowa State doesn't have a baseball team anymore – we are the home for that on the Moonlight Graham show. So we've had, we've probably had 10 former Iowa State baseball players on. Um, and, and it's just like, we're always talking about that in the Dallas Clark episode that we recently did, had on here. We had a former Cyclone quarterback and he also played baseball on the pod as well. And so our, I feel like our pod got like all of the old Iowa State baseball players follow our pod and we're kind of the home for that. So don't steal that from me, guys. <laughs> it's all yours. <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll lean football a little bit more, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right. Speaking of football, you first of all, before I go into this, you did a great job with the top 100 players. Admittedly speaking, I didn't know all of them, but the ones that I knew, they seemed like they were fitting in a solid spot. There was, a, there was an egregious miss. And I, and I think you might know who I'm talking about. Iowa State football player, wide receiver, two letters as a first name. JJ Moses. JJ Moses. Where was he? Yeah. Where was he? At? That was uh that was like the one player that and and that was kind of earlier on in my Iowa State fandom. He was like one of the very you know first players that I kind of remember watching. I just thought to myself, man, is he a stud? And uh, I think I I think I heard you say he he was barely left off. Like he was maybe one oh five or something like that. But you know, explain yourself. Explain yourself to Iowa State fan how you left him off. Yeah, so what we did on the podcast is we ranked the top 100 athletes in the state of Iowa's history a couple of years back. And so over the last couple of years, we'd adjust things like Alan Lazard would be higher on our list today than he was back then, because I think back then he had like one catch maybe in the NFL. And so I think it was when he was still with the Jaguars, yeah. Yeah, he might have just been a practice squad guy at that time. So anyway, it, it's really hard. We, we did an all-encompassing look. Like we're talking about Olympic wrestlers, uh, uh, I think we had an archery person that had like a gold medal in like the 1976 Olympics in archery. That was from Jefferson, Iowa. So it's like having to compare the different sports was a huge challenge, right? And so there's been very few Iowans that were skill position players in the NFL, right? There's hardly been any defensive backs in the modern era. In the defensive backs, most of them were like in the 1930s or 40s. The wide receivers were uh, like Kenny Shedd was in the 1980s. Uh, you had a guy out of Cedar Rapids in the, that went to UNI in the 90s. I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he was probably the best one. He, he played like six years for the Jets. Um, but then you had like a J.J. Mojas, Alan Lazard. And so we tried to weight those guys pretty, pretty heavily. But like in the state of Iowa, you have probably a couple of hundred linemen, right? And you have guys that were like, you know, Dallas Clark was an all-pro guy. Uh, Brandon Scherf has been Pro Bowl every year he's, he's, in the, he's been in the NFL. So it was really hard to wait, you know, how guys fit in. When you have J.J. Moses, who spent maybe five years in the NFL, four or five years, mostly return kicks, 
and punts. I don't know if he ever caught a ball, but he was a phenomenal athlete. So it was tough. Mm -hmm. And you're right that we probably, we probably left that guy off. He was in our honorable mention. He probably should have cracked our top 100, but like the amount of wrestlers to come out of the state of Iowa that have been in the Olympics have got like, we had bronze medal Olympians as like the 84th best athlete ever. And it's like, is that guy a better athlete than JJ Moses who played four years in the NFL and returned a couple of kicks and punts? Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. Right. And so that was the, the thing that we dealt with, but I will say part of when we put that list together was to create some, some talking points too. And mm -hmm. you guys are a cyclone podcast, so you might appreciate this. Niall Kinnick to most Hawkeye fans is God's gift to athleticism, right? Heisman trophy winner, uh, you know, Kinnick stadium, got a statue, the whole thing. He didn't crack our top 20. <laughs> and part of it was like the guy played in like the thirties. What do you want me to say? The guy was like, he was like five, nine, 145 pounds. Right. And he, he played quarterback and his numbers were brutal. He also played defensive back and he was a good defensive back. Like, what do you want to, what, what do you want me to do with that guy? Right. So he's like the 24th best athlete or something right in that range on our list. Um, and he's not even the only Heisman Trophy winner out of the state of Iowa. The other one was Jay Berwanger, and I think he was 12th on our list. An honorable mention to Troy Davis, who should have won. But no, that's that's very fair. Like, whenever you create a list, people are going to get pissed off. And there was this one time we did um, who are the best shooters in uh, Iowa State history, and I let off um, Diedrich Willoughby. Big miss, but oh my gosh, I heard it like crazy. And everyone, I, I'm. I'm biased, but every every other part of the list is perfect. They're just spot on. But I miss Diedrich Willoughby. And because of that, everyone wanted off of my head. So anytime you make a list, prepare for someone to be nitpicky, just like me with J.J. Moses. But that's the thing. I, I got to do my due diligence and find that bone to pick with you. You can't miss Willoughby. Like, you just <laughs> – It was a bad miss. Like who's, is anybody fact checking you? Did you not send it to Jacob and be like, Hey, Jacob, <laughs> do, a, do a once over the list here to make sure I didn't forget anybody. Yeah, that it was, um, it got a lot of interaction on Twitter. So, it, you know, they say bad publicity is good publicity, but it was, it was a bad Twitter day for us. It was a tough yeah. One. <laughs> so Tim, um, Mason kind of touched on, you know, all you guys have had some pretty awesome guests, um, you know, a lot of a lot of big Iowa people. JJ Reddick is awesome. I, I listened to his old man the three podcast and he's he's fantastic on that. And he always has amazing NBA players and also, you know, people across the sport industry. I guess I just want to know, you know, what's kind of your dream guest that you want to interview down the road? Have you have you had it yet? Or did you get it and you're like, oh, okay, like let's uh let's catch the net for something bigger here? Or what's kind of kind of would be your your white whale? Yeah, when we started it out like five years ago, our dream guest was like Nick Collison right? Iowa guy, uh, made it on, made it at KU, made it on in the NBA. He's a well-known guy working in the front office in the NBA now. And then we got Collison, like, I think 25th episode, right? And so then it was like, well, crap, maybe we need to be shooting higher than this, right? And then it became, can we get Dan Gable on the podcast? And hell, we got Dan Gable on the podcast. And so we're constantly like having to reshift maybe our goals here, right? Because we're getting access to more people than we thought we would. Like we had Kurt Warner on, we've had you know, we've had Dallas Clark did a sit down with him in person, which was really cool. And so we've had a lot of people on that are kind of in that Iowa famous realm that has kind of made us reshift our, our expectations be like, okay, everybody that's tied to the state of Iowa is really only one connection away from you. 
So how can we work those channels to get in front of those type of people? So on our current season of the podcast, uh, we actually got a thing going right now where it's like, who's our, would be the top guest ever. And it would be Kevin Cosner. So Kevin Cosner being our podcast, the Moonlight Grand Show, the ties to the Field of Dreams, the big time Field of Dreams game that was in the state of Iowa a month ago, right? We're, we're always like, if we got that guy, it would kind of tie everything together. So we've got like a running quest on our podcast right now. That's like kind of tongue in cheek, but we're also trying to get him on the show of every week we're updating our audience on the Cosner Quest. And we're, you know, fans are sending us emails. We're getting contact information from his PR people, from different people that have met him or known him. We're hearing their stories. We're telling some of those stories on air. And ultimately, we're going to keep this season of the podcast going until we get Cosner on. And I think he, he is, he's like the ultimate guy. From an Iowa State perspective, my ultimate would be Hoiberg. I'm like 0 for 100 trying to get Hoiberg on. Uh, he, he's like the great white buffalo outside of Cosmic. You know, you've been in this industry far longer than us, but I would be very jealous if you got Hoiberg before us, which all signs are pointing that you would get him before us, but whew, it'd be a really jealous day for me. So funny story about Hoiberg, and I actually, in this room, I have a, a letter from Hoiberg hanging up here. So I, told, I had a knee injury in high school. And Hoiberg's mother apparently got the Fort Dodge paper sent to her from one of her friends in Webster City, which is close to Fort Dodge with where I grew up. So after I hurt my knee, the local paper did an article about it and they were doing like this Q and answer or Q and A, who are your favorite athletes and stuff. And I said, Fred Hoiberg's my sports role model. Anyway, that ended up with Fred Hoiberg's mom who got Fred when he was playing for the Bulls to write me a letter that was like, hey kid, you know, work hard to get healthy again, you know, sign Fred Hoiberg. And he sent me a letter and some bowl swag and stuff. So I've always thought like, if I get to the right people, it would, you know, I, I feel like that's kind of my story. It's like, Hey, look at me, the kid that's all grown up, <laughs> you know? Uh, but yeah, he's going to be a tough kid. He, he doesn't say yes to many people. I mean, that would be, that'd be a pretty wild grab, but never say never, man. Right. Um, okay. So one thing that I've always been impressed with you is you're, you said you're 35, right? Yes, sir. You look great for 35. And you, Thanks, I know man. that you keep up on your athleticism. You work out, you exercise frequently. And okay. A couple different things here. One, how do you find the motivation to do that? Because usually when people are done playing college basketball, in your case, college baseball, uh, even minor leagues, they're done. Me too. You know, like when I found out I wasn't going to be playing competitive sports anymore, I'm like, all right, I'll keep in shape, but I don't care to dunk a ball anymore. I don't care to throw 90 miles per hour. And I know that that was one of your uh, goals that you spoke with, with JJ. So how do you keep the motivation? Secondly, have you gotten close to 90 miles per hour again? So, yeah, I mean, you're talking, you know, all ex-athletes kind of deal with that, right? Because there's just no there's no way to replicate the intensity of sports. And it's sometimes like we're playing sports for the competition more so than just the love of the game, right? We, we just love the competition. You just can't replicate that through rec leagues or intramurals as just being in the game. So part of it though, is as I've gotten older, I just realized like from a, from a health standpoint, I just feel so much better when I do exercise than when I'm not. And so like, that's the big thing anymore. Obviously, I still like I'm still playing pickleball all the time with our uncle Dan Mason. 
Uh, so yeah, uh, audience here, Mason and I have the same uncle, but we're not related. You know, so yeah, we're not. <laughs> so think about that one for 15 seconds, and you guys should be fine. Uh, but so I play. You know, I'm playing pickleball all the time. I'm, I'm like I'm playing as many rec sports as my schedule allows, just because I love that competition aspect of it. But the other side of it is, is like I, I got a Peloton a couple of years ago just to be like. I need to hammer out 45 minutes of something. I need 30 minutes of that because I know I'm going to be feeling so much better and I'm going to be a better husband, a better dad, a better co-worker co and colleague if I'm, if I'm in that right mindset. And so that's what, what I do. That's why I do it. Um, it. But yeah, I mean, I don't like to do it either. I hate, I hate just exercising to exercise. I hate jogging. I hate riding the stationary bike. I hate lifting weights. Like all that stuff I don't like to do. But I also don't want to be a fat ass forty five year old dad either. Fair enough. So, so that's what drives me: not being that fat guy in the stand. <laughs> <laughs> that's very fair. Yeah, and, and Newt and I are both under six foot. I tell people I'm five ten. I um, apparently am five ten with shoes on because I got measured at the doctor the other day, and I'm five nine and three quarters. Anyway, I, I Newt, how tall are you? Five eight and a half. Five eight and a half. So <laughs> five nine with shoes. Know, yeah, we are very big on like the short kings here, right? And and you mentioned that you've all, obviously been below six foot. And I know that you've had a pursuit to dunk. Have you gotten close to that? Have you ever done it before? And I mean, how tough is that to do when you're under six foot? Yeah, I mean, I've lived my entire life under six foot, and and you guys know how it is, right? Like, we'll just we're never gonna get there. Right. And I, I gave up on that dream a long time ago, but it would be nice. It would be nice to see what six one feels like. So from a dunking standpoint, when when I was in college and finally like was really hitting the weights, playing college baseball, lifting three, three days a week, doing plyos, you know, four days a week, um, that kind of thing. I like finally got to college and went from playing four sports in high school to focusing on one and doing all that weight room thing. And I remember the first couple of times I played basketball, like October of my freshman year of college, I was like, you know, getting, getting like this on the rim, right? Like middle of my forearm kind of thing. And it was like, whoa, I did not know. I didn't know I could get up like this. Right. And then, but there was one time in pickup ball where the, where the ball was rolling off the front of the rim. I went up, I grabbed the ball and I, I tried to dunk it. I grabbed the rim, pulled it down. The ball shot up. It didn't go right in and it shot up and eventually went in. So I like, I grabbed the ball. I tried to dunk it and I pulled the rim down like I was dunking it. And the ball eventually went in, but it was not a dunk. And that was the closest I ever got. Um, I've never, I've never actually dunked it. Um, but you know, I, I, and to your earlier question about 90 miles an hour, I, at 35, I was, I have not hit 90 this year. I did hit 91 two years ago at 33. So that's as close as I got. Um, but, you know, I don't, I think dunking's in the rear view mirror for me, but I still have hopes to be, be at 90 again. That's pretty damn impressive, man. Good for you. <laughs> I still have the dunking goal myself. And I, I was very close my, my college freshman year. Um, I wasn't drinking or anything yet, all this kind of stuff. And I, I have I have a pretty decent vertical, which is is nice. I have longer arms. So I, I had a little bit and I, I got it a couple of times where I had the ball over the rim, but I couldn't like turn my wrist to put it down on it. So I put it off the back iron a couple of times. 
And that was the closest I've been to, but I also realized I'm about to hit my athletic prime here at like 28. So I got to, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, donkey's one of those milestones, like for guys, right. Where it's just like, it's like walking on the moon, you know, like you either have done it or you haven't done it. It's a, just a real clear line in the sand. And once you've done it, it's, it's those rest of your life bragging rights. And so on my pod, I kind of bring it up with guests. I'm like, when's the last time you dunked? I bring that up question a lot. And most guys like remember the last time, you know, if they're 50 years old, they're like, I dunked it one time when I was 34 and, you know, and that was it. And that was the last time, you know, and it's fun to think about like a last time to do something in your life and then it's over. And that's the way athleticism is, you know, sometimes kind of like the Moonlight Graham show, you never know, or the Moonlight Graham, the movie Field of Dreams. Sometimes you never know the best moments of your life while you're, while you're living them. You know, you think they're going to go on forever, but they don't. That's a, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> All right. So you went to college at UNI. I grew up in Cedar Falls, Iowa. So I'm very okay. familiar with UNI um, and CF in general. So I guess kind of, I always just like to get people's opinions on Cedar Falls. How did you like going to UNI? Because I always feel like it's, um, I have my own opinion on it. I obviously chose to not go there. And then did you have like a favorite bar or area or restaurant that you uh, like to dabble with during college? So I loved you and I, I thought you and I was, was awesome in the fact that you could, you could live about anywhere you wanted to live in the, in the dorms, in, in a house around campus, and you could walk anywhere. Like you could walk to somebody's apartment across campus if you wanted to, and you hardly ever had to use your car. So I thought it felt a lot smaller than it was. I think there was like 13, 14,000 kids there when I was going. So it's a you know, pretty good sized school, but it felt really, really tight knit. And the hill at that time, the hill has changed, but that's where all the bars are in Cedar Falls. And uh, the hill was just alive when I was there. And, and, and homecoming was like a really, really big party thing. And that was like the one time a year where like, People from Ames, people from Iowa City, they'd come to Cedar Falls for that weekend. Everybody got busted, you know, uh, during that weekend. Uh, Halloween was another big weekend at Cedar Falls. So I loved it, man. I thought it was great. A couple of downsides where I was on the baseball team. We didn't have a baseball stadium on campus. So we had to drive to Riverfront Stadium in Waterloo, which is like a 24-minute drive just to go, go to practice every day. And that got old. Right. So, so some of that Waterloo stuff, the things you had to go to Waterloo for got a little bit old over at Cedar Falls, but man, I love my time there. You and I no longer as a baseball team either. So I never get back. I have no reason to, that's one of my bones to pick. Every time somebody calls me asking for money from you and I, I always just give them a way longer response than they want about <laughs> why I'm not going to give any money to that school anymore because they canceled the baseball program. So I essentially have no ties to that school anymore, which is kind of a shame. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That would be a pain in the ass going to Riverfront for every single practice. And I just realized that that was the case. But yeah, there's there's obviously nothing in uh, near campus for that. To answer your question about the bars, though. So when I was there, the new bar that they had was called the Ice Lounge. And there was this like, it was like a nightclub. And Jacob, you're probably too young for this. But at the time, it, they had like bouncers, it was dark, and the bar was a full ice bar. So the bar was ice bar and I'm not kidding. The waitresses were dressed up like they were in like a Sean Paul video. Like they had big fluffy boots, tiny little skirts, like fluffy tops. Uh, they looked like actually the, the fembots from uh, Austin Powers. If you remember that, 
like the you guys remember the fembots from that movie yeah yeah they had gu- guns coming out of oh the, yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm not even kidding that's how the wait staff at, at the ice lounge was it didn't last for more than two years but i remember walking in there for the first time when i was in college and i was like oh my god you felt like you were in a vegas nightclub and it was <laughs> it was crazy that like that existed as a college bar in cedar falls at the time and like that women wore that stuff i I just i we still talk about it. I was like can you believe they were wearing those outfits uh, you know like you see that stuff in vegas you don't see that stuff in cedar falls yeah i don't i don't think that would fly in cf now um but <laughs> yeah all right timmy so first of all the moonlight gram i just want to tell you i i love it it's the best idea for a podcast especially for someone in iowa because you know, most people would say I was almost like a, a role player state, if that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, but we, we don't have, you know, we're not like in LA. We don't have celebrities walking down our street here and there. You know, it truly is like an underdog state, very like hits home mentality that you have for your podcast. But I'll admit, I haven't listened to every single one of your interviews. And I'm really curious, has there been an interview that nagged you? Or has there been a question that you didn't ask that you wish you asked? Or has there been an answer that maybe someone gave you and you're just like, come on, man, give me more than that. Like tell me about, you know, something here that you wish you had, but you haven't quite gotten it yet with maybe a previous interview or maybe even an upcoming interview that you have not yet landed aside from Ployberg, aside from that uh, conversation. Yeah. So there's always those guests that you have that have great stories, right? They're from Iowa. They've made it on the big stage and then you bring them on your podcast and it's just like, for whatever reason, you can't get out of them the story. Like you can't get them to tell their story really well because they're just not suited for that, right? They're just like, so some of the people that we've had on the, on the pod and I'm not gonna name names, but they've got a really great story, but they're not famous kind of for a reason because they don't have like a certain personality about them to be really marketable. And you never know that until you bring them on your podcast to get them talking and you're meeting them and you find out maybe within 10, 15 minutes, that was like, this is a great story, but it may not be the best podcast, right? It may not just be the best content for the pod. So that happens every now and again. And frankly, it's like, that's okay. Like, you know, not every podcast has got to be the greatest thing in the world. Sometimes it's just really fun to have interesting people on and to tell a little different perspective. And if you're going to do 300 episodes of a podcast, not every one of them is going to be all that great. So there are some of those interviews, but when you have the big guests on, when you have the Dan Gables and the Kurt Warners and the Dallas Clarks and Sage Rosenfels and Nick Collison and Seneca Wallace and some of those people on your show, it's like you prepare really, really well for those and you make sure that you don't, you don't miss the boat on some of those. Now with, uh, with like a Nick Collison or some of these other people that are still in, or a Matt Thomas may be a good example too, where it's like, we've had him on the pod, but I kind of want to, you know, interview him again two years down the road to kind of get an update on where he's at, right? So some of these people that you, you have on the pod, their career is just completely in the rearview mirror. Others, it's like their career is still going. Their story is still being told. And so you kind of want to continue to check in with those people. And every episode doesn't have to be about their entire career. It can be more about like, hey, what's up? Like, let's update our pod on, on where you're at now. Yeah, having Matt Thomas on again would be amazing just because of like his his NBA journey has been wild or just like basketball journey has been wild in general, like going over to Europe for a couple of years 
literally shooting 60% from three, yeah. getting a getting a chance back in the United States and then playing with people like being on the same team as like Kawhi or Le- LeBron and stuff. That, that's so crazy because like kid him would be like, ha- would ha- that just be so insane? Be like in high school, be like watching LeBron play and then like, oh, LeBron's actually like my teammate in practice. Like, Right. And I, I love, I love Matt Thomas's stories an awesome dude. And you're right. Like finding that niche as just a shooter in pro basketball, figuring out how to get open, how to come across screens, how to get my shot off quicker. You know, that guy has perfected it to the point where like, he's now a, a useful player in the NBA, a role player in the NBA, and he's going to play for a long time. And I just think that's so cool uh, for, you know, we all saw him at Iowa state you know, it was a highly regarded recruit that had some struggles at Iowa State too. And now to see where he's at today as this like savvy, confident pro, it's really, really cool. Yeah, I loved his Iowa State career. It was one of like my favorites to watch because obviously him and Naz were always competing for time as sort of like the three-point specialist in a way. And, and Matt kind of, he, he struggled shooting it early on and he also wasn't as great on the defensive end. So he kind of, lost some time but then his senior year he was so good defensively like he would just come in and work his ass off uh, on the defensive end because like he knew that he had to he had to like improve on that if he wanted to have time i'm sure with just how great a talent they had too and stuff he, he knew that you know i have to do this to you know stay on the court so it, it's definitely been a lot of fun to see him you know just continually improve and, and do what needs to be done yeah, I agree. And, and the fact that like he got in with the Raptors, with Nick Nurse as their coach there, right? Another Iowa guy. And the defensive schemes that they, they do have been doing over there in Toronto, obviously got him an NBA title with Kawhi. But I think the rest of the league is copying a lot of what Toronto's doing. So it makes him even more valuable just because of that landing spot he had when he first got into the NBA, right? And that's going to travel well throughout his career, I think. Yeah, definitely. So our podcast has a little bit of differing opinions on, you know, Big 12 expansion and kind of what's going on and what we think is maybe best for Iowa State. So we'll just we'd love to get some third party perspective here. How are you feeling about, you know, adding BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and I can't even remember. UCF, I believe. UCF. UCF, Yeah, thank you. Um, To the Big 12 to sort of keep together. do you like it? Do you feel confident in it? Just, you know, kind of, kind of your general thoughts on it. So, no, I don't like it. You know, I mean, just, I don't think you can be thrilled about it, but I also think that if the big 12 is going to stay intact, this is probably the best case scenario for it. I think BYU is a really, really good brand with, you know, good football through the years. I mean, they've, they've won some national titles at BYU. Right. And so they, they've won Heisman trophies, national titles. That's a good brand with a big following. Uh, Cincinnati, I think, uh, you know, they're not Oklahoma, they're not Texas, but they're also kind of like a really nice Big 12 fit. Houston's that kind of outside of the Power Five giant that everybody's like, how's this school not in a Power Five? Right. Five slamma jamma, good football, great basketball through the years, huge market. I think that makes a lot of sense in kind of the old TV model as Houston. And then UCF, like once again, it's like a throw in to get some of the Florida Orlando TV market. But I also think that, you know, streaming is changing the game as far as that goes. But the fact that they added four teams instead of just adding two to replace, I think makes a big difference money-wise in the way that TV contract is structured through 2025. So that's a really big deal. And I think it's going to help out Iowa State financially. 
but it's not best case scenario. I think best case scenario would be OU and Texas, they blink, they try to break the contract with the Big 12 early before 2025, and then it becomes the Wild West again. And somehow Iowa State ends up in the Big, Big 10 West along with Kansas. Like, I think that's really ultimately the, would have been the best landing spot just from a Monday standpoint, from a geographic standpoint. I mean, it's not great that Iowa State's going to have to be going to, to Florida and to Utah and to, and to Houston for games. Like, I know we travel well, but that, that's just frankly too much, especially with the fan base. We saw everybody go down to Vegas here last week, but that's only because it's not harvest yet. 20,000 of those 30,000 people that went there wouldn't be there if it was planting or harvest here in Iowa, right? Because that's what everybody during the state does. And so if you have like a, if you have a late October game in Provo, Utah, Houston, Texas, Cincinnati, Orlando, nobody's going, right? Nobody's, nobody's going to that. And it'll be interesting to see how the TV landscape changes after that 2025 contract when that comes up. Because I think it's going to be less about TV markets and more about subscriber bases. And that's where Iowa State is really, really strong. Is like, can you get a fan base to buy a premium subscription to the Big 12 network, to the Big 10 network, to those type of things? Because ultimately, cord cutting is here to stay. It's only going to amplify as you know, our generation of people gets older. And the Orlando market and UCF is going to be less and less important as the years go on. And so that's why that addition doesn't do anything for me. So who knows? It's, it's a mess. Uh, college athletics are, are a mess right now. It, it's sad, but it's the way it's going. So, um, you know, who, who knows? I don't know anything. Nobody knows anything. Jan Jamie Pollard's admitted a hundred times that he doesn't know anything about it either. You know, we're all just speculating. Yeah, what I yeah it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it plays out. It's just, losing Texas and Oklahoma, that's just so much revenue down the drain. That's what worries me the most is, you know, we were a really top-heavy conference with those two, you know, garnering a lot of the attention and being the big money makers. And while some of these schools are good historically and everything like that, it's just it's going to be really hard to, I think, get a good TV deal that stays competitive. Cause like the other thing too, is like the big 12 was making the third most money of any conference um, with our, our previous model of the 10 teams, you know, we were kicking the PAC 12 and the ACC's butts in, in those regards. And um, you know, we could have potentially held out and, and post a couple of schools that got frustrated with uh, you know, those conferences, but you know, Texas and OU had their own little plan to mind, I guess. So yeah, it's too bad. It's too bad that this is the way college athletics are going, but like this is this is just a reality. I think most most college fans have seen this coming from a, a mile away, but it's just, you know, everybody wants to believe in like the the pomp and circumstance and the tradition of college sports and that's how they trick you, but it's just it's a messy dirty game behind the scenes. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's all about the money now and it's gross. Like there's no camaraderie. You're, you're losing rivalries and, and playing these teams that you've like grown to hate or close to UG. Like that's the other thing is like as a, a even when we were at Iowa State with the you know, current Big 12, you could maybe go to Kansas and Kansas State away games and stuff. And that's about it. Otherwise, you're flying um, or you're crazy yeah. and driving a long ass time. And that's just kind of annoying. Like you, it's it's. You know, I have friends who went to like SEC schools and stuff and they can go to almost like every game or they go to like 
four or five uh, of their their team's games that are away and stuff because it's a easy drive to to get to these schools and you, you just lose that because of of money now it's just spread out it's about t- like TV markets and I don't know it's just it's kind of you know it's what made college athletics great and you're just you're losing it due to just sheer greed. Right. And so we're, we're going to lose that. That's why the Big Ten West would be the best, right? We could drive to Nebraska. We could drive to Iowa. We could drive to Minneapolis. We could drive to Kansas if they came there, too. We could go to Illinois, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Like, those are all just drives, right? And, and yeah. that would be a really great landing spot. But, you know, this is where we're at. Like, you're, you're probably never going to go to another Big 12, like, road basketball game, Right. But, no, I mean, you, I always, go, you can maybe get down to Lawrenceville. That's always the, the only only right. real one that you can, can truly get to. I mean, even K-State's Manhattan's out there. It's like, you know, if you're names, it's a, a, a jaunt. And then you're in Manhattan, Kansas. So, like, yep. gross. But I mean, I, I think the biggest thing with it is just the fact that people like the Big 12 brand. And, I mean, I see where you guys are coming from so much with just the sheer money aspect of things. That's obviously a big concern. I think that's the biggest hindrance as to whether or not this will work. But then there are fans like me who have grown up hating the Big Ten. And the idea of Iowa State then joining that conference just feels a little tainted. And so, you know, where I come from with it, and this is where Newton and I disagree, I come from the side of, Try it out. Why are we, you know, spiraling out of control? Let's keep it like I think we can make moves to keep this conference upright. And I think I thought the UCF edition was a little weird, but I thought that was exactly what we needed to do. And ideally, you get someone like Notre Dame and maybe Boise State, but we know that they're not going to join, especially Notre Dame. Um, but that was kind of my mentality. It was like Big 12 or bust. Um, and of course, if the Big 12, you know, collapses on itself, then okay, we can look to maybe join the Big Ten. But uh, maybe it's a little it's too bit young, Nathan. It, it it's too young. Like you can't be reactionary up, with this. You have to be proactive. Like that's I, grew, the thing. I grew up on the Big Eight, man. Like to think that there's some brand associated with the Big Twelve is laughable. Like the the Big Twelve was a joke to begin with. It was just the Big Eight adding four Texas schools for money. Like it, it's been a joke for the entire its entire existence, and be driven been driven by the Texas schools for since its existence. And now Texas bails. Like it was a joke when it started, and it's a joke now. So, do you think it can stay upright without, you know, any sort of Texas schools, like you said? Like, could you? I mean, it's tough now because you got Baylor and TCU. But do you think they're like the exact reason as to why the Big Twelve has stayed afloat, you know, in the, in the past years? Or do you think without them, you're you're torched, you're done? Yeah, I mean, Baylor and TCU do nothing. Yeah, uh, at all. I, I the only the only way the Big Twelve <laughs> stays afloat is because of BYU, Houston, and Cincinnati. Like those are the best possible additions. Um, so, and I, I guess UCF from a from a TV no- negotiation standpoint. So, I think this is best case scenario for what the Big Twelve situation is. In order for for the Big Twelve not to lose great coaches, because that's the thing is. If the Big 12 doesn't do something like it just did, Matt Campbell's out the door. Like, there's no way that Iowa State can pay that guy's salary once these TV contracts expire. Because we're talking about, like, losing 50 to $80 million a year, right? So that's why they had to add four after losing two, is because I think there's escalators in that TV contract if the Big 12 adds, right? Otherwise, it's like, hey, Iowa State Athletics lost, what, $30 bucks last year? What's that going to look like when their revenues get cut by another hundred million? 
like, you know, so they're, this is some really, really tough territory that they're in right now if they didn't make the type of move that they did. And that's why, to your point of hating the Big Ten, I grew up hating the Big Ten too, but it's like there's a boatload of money over there. And they're it, not, it's very self-sustainable too. It, it's here to yeah. stay. Yeah, they're, they're miles away from what we're dealing with here in the Big 12. It's very fair. Um, and it, it just feels like a short-term ploy. Like, it's like, okay, we're going to do the escalators in this contract and maximize the money to 2025. But then after that, like, the TV, like, Fox dropped, uh, what was it? I think Fox dropped, you know, broadcasting the Big 12 championship this year. They put it, like, up for sale. And uh, you could say it was, like, some maneuvering behind the scenes or whatever. I, if you want to get into conspiracy shit with with trying to, you know, put a little pressure on, on Texas and Oklahoma to, to go somewhere else. But like even that instance, that's not a good look for the conference. And then you're going to try and sell 10 years of rights to, to someone or whatever. It's just, it's going to be, it's just, it, it really seems like it's, it's going to eventually just like collapse on itself. Like it, it's, you're trying, you're trying to like cover a dam that just had a hole by throwing some duct tape on it and hoping that it'll, you know, not overflowed like right now, but is that like a long-term stable thing to do? I, I don't know. As far as football programs go, how do you get head coaches like Matt Campbell to stay at your school? You pay their assistance. That's what you do. Yeah. Right. You continue to make like Campbell has gotten a little bit of bump the last few contracts, but the, the assistants continue to get really good bumps. Right. So he's got a great staff and he's able to get recruits because there's staff consistency. If revenues take a massive hit, the athletic department just can't continue to pay those assistants in the same way. And so you're going to see Campbell probably making the same amount of money, but you're not going to see the assistants. And that's where a USC or a, you know, the next big job that opens up where Campbell might have passed on that job this year. But if all of a sudden he lost his five top assistants because they all got 50% pay cuts or whatever, like, can you keep Campbell for that long term? Right. And so that's why they had to make, they had to make some move from, like you said, Jacob, from a short-term perspective to show that like, Hey, we're strong. We're in this, we have a plan, but hell, I think, I think that Texas, Oklahoma exiting thing, you know, cause they right now says we're not leaving until 2025 or whatever, it, you know, or whatever the date on this, like, really, are you really going to be playing in the big 12 again next year after all of this? And, and I think it's just, it's a, it's a game of chicken right now with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it'll, it'll be interesting to you know, see how it all, I guess, plays out i'm in the same boat of i just i just want us to somehow get the the invitation to the big 10 and then we don't have to worry about money and stability (laughs) it'd be nice but um that's i don't know i i I think it's a lot more realistic this go around because like you kind of touched on i I don't think like tv is going to be a big of a deal like market size and stuff like that it's going to be about like fan base subscribers streamers um aau status which is important to the big 10 too academics that kind of stuff and so, you know, we're obviously in a much better position now than we were last time expansion was going on in early 2010s, but it's still, it's just worrisome. So, so I actually had a question for you guys, and this is changing topics here, but I want to, I want to get this in because I was texting with a couple of buddies this past week about where, where Brees Hall stands in the list of all time Iowa State running backs. <laughs> and, and I was like, all right, I should bring this up to these guys because you guys are all out of state all the time. And so here was the list that I put together. Uh, and it's not like a final list, but it was my first rough draft. And I want to, I want to get your guys' opinions. And I also want you to tell me what you think of my list. Uh, Cause we were talking about lists at, at the top, Mason. So 
first of all, top one is, is Troy. Oh, Tim, do we lose you? Tim, your your mic cut out. <laughs> right when you said first one is Troy Davis. <laughs> Can you hear me now or am I done? Yep. Yeah, you're good now. You're good now. Okay. All right. So here, here's my list. So my first one's Troy Davis, okay? Uh, two-time Heisman finalist, two times over 2,000 yards. I think that one's pretty pretty simple. Uh, my second and third, I, I don't know if it's David Montgomery or Darren Davis, but it's one of those two guys is, is two and three. And then four and five, it's either Enos Haywood or Brees Hall. So I think those are kind of interchangeable depending on how this year goes for Brees Hall. And then I got Dwayne Crutchfield at six and then Blaze Bryant at seven. So my top seven then, which are you know a little bit changeable, are Troy Davis one, Darren Davis, Montgomery two and three, Enos Haywood, Bryce, uh, Brees Hall four and five, and then Dwayne Crutchfield and and Blaze Bryant. So, but I'm I'm older than you guys. I'm like ten years older than you guys. So where you know where where are we at for from your perspective on like greatest cyclone running backs? New, do you want to? So, Newt, I know you get, Liam cut this yeah, out. I, I, know I have, have to get going. going. I have a softball Newt. game at uh, oh, my bad, my bad. So, I, I got like Newt, 20 minutes. do you want to answer so. quick or do you got to get going now? Um, I, I'm very biased and young on it. Um, I do – there are so many plays that David Montgomery makes me go like, holy shit, um, how did he do that? He was like the ultimate make chicken salad out of chicken shit because he never <laughs> had a good line. You know, he kind of didn't get – rewarded offensively till towards the end of like his last year was the first time you could say he had like a competent office around him. So I always kind of put him up higher. Um, you know, Brees still has a great, uh, you know, chance to climb that, but I I'd probably have David above him right there. Uh, Troy's obviously one with, you know, just Heisman finalists, that kind of stuff. I mean, but Brees, Brees was six this year. So I, I think it's, it'd be obviously tough to get back in that conversation now with um, kind of, I mean, it's just had a slow, slow start to the year, but if he, if he can add to, you know, the, the personal uh, accomplishments and stuff and, and churn out another fantastic year, I think he could definitely, you know, be, be competing with David for like right behind Troy, but that's mm-hmm. kind of where I'm at on it. But I have right, going. Dude. Yeah. Tim, I do appreciate uh, you giving us the time and I apologize for the, the cutoff, the, I need to get out of here like 10 minutes ago, but um, I was having a great time. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Jacob, great to meet you. Uh, Sorry for running late. Sorry for throwing that. I I should have told you guys I wanted to talk about that. (laughs) No, you're good. You're good. I'm glad. I would much rather us be like going way past time because it's going well than be like, you know, the complete opposite of it. But yeah, Um, uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. And uh, Sounds good. Great to meet you, man. All right. Yep. Nice to meet you Good luck with your softball game, man. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So, Tim, to answer my side of it, and people are going to hate me for saying this, but this just shows my age. I I know um, Darren Davis' stats are, you know, they stack up. I haven't seen enough of this tape to to say uh, whether I have an opinion. Otherwise, the same with Hayward. And you mentioned one more that I was unfamiliar with. It was number seven. Uh, Dwayne Crutchfield or Blaze Bryant? Blaze, Blaze Bryant. Oh, man, he was fantastic. Um, Crutchfield, I don't know much about, but I will just say he was in the seventies. He he was in that Earl Bruce era when we were really good, um, in the late seventies. Okay. Well, that would make sense then. So I've based on what I've seen and I'm counting Troy Davis in there because every Cyclone fan goes on YouTube and just watches Troy Davis highlights for 15 minutes. Um, and and that 
So this is including, you know, guys like Sean Cheryl Johnson that you didn't have on your list, you know, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't put them there either, at least from what I know. But the three that you have listed, Troy Davis is obviously the one, and I'm not going to argue that. We can move past that. Then it goes David or Brees. I think that it's a little unwritten at this point, and I'm torn two different ways. David Montgomery is probably my favorite running back that I've maybe ever even seen play college football, and, and I, that's beyond Iowa State. That, that's college football. The, his play style of just breaking tackles, not only making you miss, but also trucking you, is, is just incomprehensible to me. I don't understand his balance and just his field vision. It's superb. And I think in some ways he's better than Troy Davis even on, on a couple different levels. But like I said, Troy's the clear cut number one. Now with Brees, I think he is more well-rounded than David Montgomery. A little bit tougher because I think Brees is probably um, a little bit more lucky with the O-line. I don't think the O-line was quite as good with David. Um, however, I don't, I don't think there's a, a huge, terrible drop-off. I, I think that, that Brees is dealing with a little bit of an obviously better O-line, but I don't think the, the difference is by a ton. However, Brees' speed is faster than David. I think um, Brees is able to make quicker moves into an acceleration better than David. However, David was more likely to make you miss in the telephone booth. So I do think their running styles are so different. And after Brees graduates, I think I'll have more of an opinion. But from what I've seen right now, I think it's Troy Davis, clear cut one, and then very, very close, Dave Montgomery, two, Brees Hall, three. And I think it's probably just because of a little bit of my bias because I just like David's running style more. And I love his leadership, not that Brees is mm -hmm. a hell of a leader, too. I, I think Brees could end up being one of, not one of, I think he could end up being the best overall running back Iowa State has ever had, including Troy Davis. And this is also seeing what David Montgomery is doing on Sundays. I think he could be the best running back that came out of Iowa State um, from an NFL talent as well. Is that fair? Yeah, I, don't, I don't disagree that Brees Hall could be a better NFL running back than maybe Troy Davis or David Montgomery. But I don't think he can have a better career at Iowa State than Troy Davis did. So I'll disagree with you there. Oh, no, no. I agree with you on that. I don't think okay. – did I misspeak there? I meant to say, I think he could have a better NFL career overall. I think he could, this is where, this is where I messed up here. I think he could end up being like the most well-rounded Iowa state player that came out of uh, Iowa state, not necessarily career, um, but, but as, a, as like, a running back, being ready as for, a the prospect NFL. for the yeah, NFL. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. No, I was just, it was interesting because Iowa State has had some really good running backs through the years. Like even, you know, even the McCarney era had some really good running backs. And, and you look at that and it's like, there's, there's a pretty decent top 10 list that you can put together. Uh, you start getting into guys like Stevie Hicks, maybe around 10. Who, Stevie, you know, Stevie Hicks was phenomenal. Yeah, he was slow. He was a power guy. Like, you know, you're kind of, you're getting towards the bottom of the barrel of great Big 12, but like Ian Haywood led the Big 12 in running two years in a row. Like that guy was legit, mm -hmm. and and he you know he died too soon. Otherwise, he probably would have had you know a pretty good NFL career too. So you know there's some good ones, and and I think the old timers would say you never saw Dwayne Crutchfield or uh, Dexter Green is another one. Uh, Blaze Bryant was kind of a flash in the pan that one year where he's first team All American. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty good list. So I wanted to run that by you guys. 
that's fair. And see, and, and that's that's where that's where I just don't have the knowledge. Like Stevie Hicks to me, I thought he was great. I thought I would put him probably, and this was just from the people I've watched. I would put him probably above Chantrell Johnson. So this is you know based off like the mid '90s. You know, it's where we are now. Um, but it was also he played on such a tough team, such a tough old line uh, in a bad way that I always saw Stevie Hicks as that guy that would kind of be the brute force to actually move the ball forward. Um, and not at all a hindrance on our offense. But, but like you just said, he, he probably is number 10 just because I didn't have the privilege of watching the Dexter Green. I, I saw tape on Blaze Bryant, but I didn't watch him. And, and even Troy Davis, that's probably as far back as I can date myself. I didn't see him play in person. All I can live by with him is just the stats that I read, as well as the tape that you see on YouTube, which nowadays the, the tape from like the 90s on YouTube is, is still like almost hard to find. Okay, Troy Davis his tape exists on YouTube because he was Troy Davis, but you know, Blaze Bryant, you won't see any of his tape really uh, unless you're really scounging through like the black holes of the internet. So right. I, I totally am dating myself with my own running back ranking, but that's why I only feel comfortable comparing Troy versus David versus Brees. But for all I know, you know, from what I've read versus the stats, uh, I think what you have makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> No problem. Um, and then if, if you got like five more minutes, I was going to go yeah. through one last segment with you. Okay. So I call this one Iowa State versus the state. So Iowa State athletes versus maybe a counterpart that had a similar experience or maybe the exact same position. So some of these is definitely cherry picking where I think I know you're going to go with it. And then other ones I think are kind of fair. So I'll let you decide uh, which is which. But Iowa State versus the state. David Montgomery versus David Johnson. Are you taking Iowa State or the State on that one? Ooh, this is a fun game. Oh, man. David Montgomery or David Johnson? Yeah, the David. Boy, I would have had a different answer three years ago, for sure. Right? Like when David Johnson popped on the scene and he was unbelievable for those two years with Arizona, especially after what he did at UNI where he torched the Hawkeyes, and he was just so good at you and I too. I would have definitely picked David Johnson, but I think I'm going with David Montgomery now uh, just because it looks like David Montgomery is solidified as a starting running back in the NFL. And David Johnson's like on the other side of it where it's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how many more years he's got in the NFL at this point. So I'm going to say David Montgomery, but that's a good one. That's really, really close. That was one of the tougher ones that I thought. All right. This one should be a cupcake. Matt Thomas versus Jordan Bohan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean. Okay. Do I, do I need to answer it? I mean. Yeah, you do. Just because I want like, to hear you okay. Jordan Bohan. <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt Thomas. But, like, I, I don't feel like that's – like, Matt Thomas was a guy that was going to play professional basketball. Like, Jordan, Jordan Bohannon is just not at that level. Like, there's, there's no chance that that guy is going to ever sniff the NBA – or high-end European stuff. He's just, he's not that guy, right? He's just, he's a guy that has done a really nice job over at Iowa, but he's, you know, he's done a nice job marketing himself too. And I, I really like Matt Bohannon. I really like Zach Bohannon, Jason. Uh, Matt and Zach have been on my podcast, have not met Jordan, don't know Jordan at all. I'm sure he's a really good guy, but he's just not even close to the same level that Matt Thomas is as a basketball player. See, I think there are some delusional Iowa fans that would disagree with you, which is why I had to throw it in there. I don't think it's very arguable, but, you know, those, those few and far uh, 
Hawkeye fans that are more so my friends that will listen to this podcast, I need to just, I need to put them in their place. All right, so moving on. Seneca Wallace versus Brad Banks, another one that I think is a gimme, but from Iowa fans, it's not a gimme. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking Seneca all day on that one. But, God, I, I wish I could go back and watch that highlight tape from Brad Banks that year. He was a runner-up in the Heisman, almost won the Heisman. But he was just kind of that, that, that college guy, more of like a Brock Purdy than, you know, we're like, Brock Purdy is not going to play in the NFL, right? But he's a really, really good college quarterback who's a really good leader at Iowa State. But he just doesn't have the tools that translate to the NFL. That's kind of how Brad Banks was. Like, he just didn't have the upside that Seneca Wallace had, where Seneca was faster, had a better arm, all those things that translate to the NFL, where Brad Banks, he had a better team around him, and he was a really, really good college quarterback. So, so I'm going to say Seneca, but Brad Banks was really good at Iowa. Kind of like how Brock Purdy, you know, is not going to be the NFL quarterback that even Sage Rosenfels was, but he's a better quarterback at Iowa State. Yeah, very fair point. All right, this one's a, uh, a very long-winded one. You ready for this? So, yeah. Iowa State versus the state. Donovan Jackson's specific three-pointer at Allen's Fieldhouse to come back from 15 points in BKU and end their 51-game home win streak versus the state. Ellie broke Manesha's second-round NCAA three-pointer against Kansas in the tourney. So, there's a little bit of a middle finger to Kansas. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I mean, the Donovan Jackson three was great. And that's like, it's fun to have a guy like Donovan Jackson. I think he was only at Iowa State for two years. That has a moment like that, that, that carries on with Iowa State fans. But the Farouk-Man X shot is, is almost unmatched in the annals of March Madness. So I got to go Ali Farouk-Man uh, That was just the, the balls to shoot it when he did and to cash it like he did against the overall number one seed Jayhawks. Uh, even that shot, I think, gets you over beating KU at Allen Fieldhouse. So I'm going to put for Oakman Ash over Donovan Jackson. I have to agree with you on that one. All right. So this one is similar college careers and also similar uh, at this point NFL careers, which is a little bit more unfortunate. But Hakeem Butler versus Marvin McNutt, Iowa State versus the State. Boy, I mean, Hakeem Butler. Man, I wish he wouldn't have left school early. His NFL career has amounted to almost nothing. He just got cut like two weeks ago again. And they're trying to figure out, like, is this guy a tight end? Because he's not fast enough to be a wide receiver. And if he had one more year at Iowa State because he left early, it's like, man, what what could he have been? Uh, Frankly, I don't remember Marvin McNutt at all in the NFL. Like, did he he make a practice squad appear in a game? I honestly don't know. I, I know he got – I don't know if he got drafted. I know he got picked up. And to my knowledge, I don't know if he um, played a single regular season down. Maybe he got some preseason uh, tape. I have no idea. But I know it's similar to Akeem, unfortunately, because Akeem is, is at least a top five Iowa State football player of all time for me. Yeah, it's unfortunately not panning out. But I don't think Marvin McNutt did much either. Yeah, I'm going to say Hakeem Butler just because I think he's been three years in the league now. Now, he hasn't done much while he's in the league, but I don't, I don't remember McNutt doing anything. So I'm going to go Hakeem Butler. Man, he was good at Iowa State, and I wish he would have stuck around one more year. Yeah, me too. All right. This is an interesting one. Adam Haluska at Iowa State or Adam Haluska at Iowa? Yeah, I mean, Iowa, no doubt, right? Like, he just – he was so good at Iowa – 
and you could see the potential of, of Veluska at Iowa State, but he turned into a really, really great college player while he was at Iowa. And it kind of stinks. You know, he was on that really good team where they had, they had Bruner, Horner, Haluska, a bunch of Iowa guys there. They had a good run. They got upset as a two and 15 seed to Northwestern state uh, when they were a two seed there. So that, that was a big heartbreak for them, but it, it, it sucked for Iowa state fans to see him average 21 a game for the Hawks when we thought we were going to get that over, uh, over at ISAC. Yeah. Oh, basketball. Oh, audio is back. We're good. We're good. Um, no, yeah, I thought the only reason you might pick him at Iowa State was just because he's less hateable. You know, not, not many people hated him when he was at Iowa State, but half the state then hated him when he transferred for obvious reasons. All he's right. a good dude, uh, though. I, I like Adam. Even though I'm a, a lifelong Cyclone fan, Haluska's a good guy. All right. Okay. That, that hurts me because I don't want to like him, but fair enough. Iowa State versus the state. This is an interesting one. Marcus Pfizer versus Luca Garza. Oh, I mean, Pfizer by a mile. Okay. All right. Yeah, let's I mean, move on. Because I agree. College, college <laughs> basketball today compared to college basketball 20 years ago is not even close. Like, it's just – and Pfizer was the number five pick in the draft. I think Garza was like the, the fifth to the last. Yeah, what was Pfizer? Pfizer was number two. And Garza, I think, was – like uh, maybe 25. I, I think he barely uh, snuck in the first round. I could even be wrong there, though. I got a bet out there that Garza will never play 100 games in the NBA. Um, I don't know if that'll come true or not. It was just fun to make a Hawk fan that bet while he was the college player of the year. But like, if it wasn't for Pfizer tearing his ACL three different times, he would have had a lot longer NBA career than he did. But I would still bet money that Pfizer plays more NBA games than Luca Garza. That's what is interesting because you, I feel like we never, we got almost cuckolded of what his NBA career could have been. Um, and, and a little bit similar to Royce wiping on a completely different, um, you know, excuse, I guess we want to use it that way. But no, good, good pick there. Marcus Pfizer versus Luis Garza, good choice. And last but not least, I'm putting you on Iowa State because you're a lifelong State fan. Tim Flattery, the basketball player, versus Kurt Warner, the basketball player. Who would win in a game of one-on-one if you guys went up against each other? So Kurt Warner's like 6'4", right? So if it was yeah. if it was today, are we talking today? This is today. This is today. Oh. So I don't know how old he is, like mid-40s or something. I think, I mean, I saw him flashing, and he's a professional athlete, but I don't know. So, yeah, Warner can still shoot, like, really, really well. But he is, mm-hmm. I think he's over 50 now. I think he's 50. So, okay, like, I think I got him. Like, if it's today, if it's in our primes, there's no chance. Warner Warner was a really, really, really good high school basketball player, and he's a better athlete than me. I mean, the guy's in the Hall of Fame. But 35-year-old me against 51-year-old Kurt Warner, I think I got him. I I think just sheer youth is going to work in my favor, and I'm not going to let him just sit there and shoot. Like, I'm going to get up in his grill. I'm going to put a hand up in his face. He's going to have to dribble around me, and he won't be able to do it. And I'm going to go. I'm going to go left and right all day around Warner. Okay, I like that one. And I don't even have this one, but I do want to get your opinion. George Niang versus Adam White. Aaron White. Adam White. Oh, help me out here. Aaron White. Thank you. Aaron White sounded right. All right, who do you got there? Well, I mean, Aaron White has he ever played in the NBA? I feel like I'm giving too many Iowa State-based fancies. I think I might not be making this too fair for Iowa slash you and I. 
Aaron Weitz had a really nice career over in Europe. He was a second-round draft pick, I think, of the Philadelphia 76ers. But he, he decided he wasn't going to make a roster in the NBA, so he signed over in Germany, I think, right away, and has won a bunch of titles at the top levels of European basketball. Had a, having a nice career, but nothing matches like being a you know seven-year NBA guy. That's just that's maybe the toughest job in the world to get. So it's, it's got to be Niang. Niang would be a perfect interview for you. I mean, talk about the role player that he is now in the NBA, and completely just has embraced it, going from not only the best player at Iowa State, but probably the best player in the Big 12 and just full on embracing the role player. So uh, like I said, want him on our podcast, but he would be a great interview for you too. Yeah. Awesome guy. Yeah. All right, man. Well, that's all I got for you. Seriously. I appreciate all the time. You didn't have to give us an hour, but that we really do appreciate it, man. And um, everyone that's listening, go check out his podcast. If you have not already, again, the moonlight Graham that celebrates the, underdog the role player and the great stories in the sports but thank you so much to me for coming on and you know we'll, we'll cheer on the cyclones and i'm glad to have you a part of the cyclone family instead of any other iowa based school okay yeah you bet mason thanks for having me on newt you, you know you guys are you guys are doing a good thing i loved uh, your rory walling episode that you guys did there as well so thanks for having me on uh this has been fun go clones absolutely man roll clones have a good one